everybody credit reports tell a story about them individually. So if you go and if you are looking to find someone to help you with your credit and they are guaranteeing you anything, red flag, run, go the other way. Do not pass, go. I don't forget how to monopoly in that. <laughs> right. We, yeah, we know. Huge red flag. What is it? Don't huge red. No, don't collect $200, something that, like that. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Don't do that. It's time to start the show. Welcome back to another episode of Financially Free with Cleo podcast. I am your host, Cleo Childress, and this is a show to help you live financially free in your own way. And today we have a very special guest, Zakia McClum, and she is a credit coach, a published author, and she is going to give us some tips and advice on how to get our credit life together so we can make some money moves, right? But first, I want to know, Zakia, how is your day going? My day is going great. It is a beautiful day outside. The sun is out. You know, I'm on the right side of the ground, according to the Lord. So I'm doing good. No complaints for me. Yes, yes. I love it. And I love the sunshine. It's kind of gloomy here in Texas today. So I'm a little jealous. Yes, <laughs> I'm not having no sunshine. <laughs> yes, the sunshine state. I do miss living in Florida, but I'm so happy that you are here. But I first want to ask you, what made you decide to specialize in credit? I know there's so many different lanes and avenues to be in finances, but what made you choose credit to focus on? Well, in 2015, um, I had become separated at the time from my uh, ex-husband, now ex-husband. And I wanted, I always, because I was getting divorced, I still had plans to purchase a home. I still wanted to do things for myself. It was actually a peaceful thing to be separated from me. And I wanted to start focusing on my finances. So um, just in conversation, my now life partner mentor taught me how to fix my credit. And Mm -hmm. during that process, I couldn't believe how easy it was. And I said to myself, well, I asked him and we began to talk and I was like, well, how come other large credit repair companies are charging so much money to do this? Like, what are they doing different than what we did? And mm-hmm. as we began to do some research, um, we realized that they were doing the same thing. They were just doing it at a slower pace and kind of milking our community for money. And mm-hmm. so Six months after working on my credit, I was able to walk into a dealership and purchase a car with no money down, trying to finalize things for my divorce and things like that. So I just said, you know what? I need to tell somebody. Somebody got to know about this. Like, I need to tell my people, oh, I put on a cape. I put on a cape, Cleo. I was trying to save everybody. I was like, oh, I got to help somebody. So that is what inspired it like I started calling my sister my family members and said let's see if what I did for me will work for them and it did 
And in 2016, September 2016, uh, we birthed our credit repair company. And we're here now. <laughs> wow. that It's crazy because it's like a lot of things that we do in life started from like our own personal journey and experience with something. I know with me, with credit, I had a a terrible introduction to credit because I just got into a whole lot of Mm -hmm. debt, didn't really know how to borrow responsibly and all of that. But I know for me, it's like I got into a situation where I was desperate for um, fixing my credit score years ago. And I ended up, you know, getting a referral from a friend and they ended up, like you said, milking, like prolonging the whole process. I paid all this money, like my whole tax refund one year, like I got $2,500 back and I was so desperate that, you know, you make bad decisions when you're desperate. Um, But I just paid all this money. Someone told me, oh, they'll fix your credit. You'll have like this huge jump in 45 days. That was a red flag. (laughs) Um, But when someone is trying to like get their credit together, like how, what do you, what the, what should they look for when they're trying to choose an individual or a company to help them? Like, what should they look for as far as qualifications? Well, two things. I, when I got into the credit repair space, what I learned quickly was that the people who came to me for help, there was, it was more than about a credit score. Like the underlying issue and concern was more than about a credit score. So before you go and a credit company or even begin to look for a credit repair company, I'm going to always recommend that you start with yourself, paying attention to your credit, pull your credit first, pull your credit and look at your credit, right? But even before you do that, you have to look at your finances. Credit in essence is all about money management and how how well you maintain your money, how well you maintain your finances. That's why your credit report is your financial report card. You know what I mean? If you start applying for credit too much, it tells a story. When you have too many inquiries on your credit report, I can look at a credit report and see when someone is desperate. I can look at a credit report and see when someone has a spending habit, not because, well, I can see their utilization may be high, but how much they spend on their credit cards may be high. I can also tell who pays their bills on time. Looking at payment history, like a credit report tells such a story. So before you go and look to hire a credit repair company, I first want you to reflect on how well you are managing your finances just day to day and make sure that you are really ready to do the work. Most of my clients come to me all have the same thing in common, and that's poor money management. You know what I mean? So a lot of I can, I, I definitely have things that you want to look for once you get to a credit repair company. Number one, there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee. No one can, it, it would be um, unintegral. It, 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 there's a lack of integrity when someone says, I guarantee you in 45 days, you're going to have a hundred point increase. There's no way for anyone to understand or determine 
how many points someone will gain within X amount of days. And that is because a credit report is like a fingerprint. Everyone's credit report is different. They're, the variables are still the same. The algorithm or the, the factors that make up the credit score, the credit points, the percentage and all of that is still the same. But my credit report is going to look different from yours. It's going to look different from your neighbors because we have different histories. Some of us have student loans, some of us doesn't. Everybody credit reports tell a story about them individually. So if you go and if you are looking to find someone to help you with your credit and they are guaranteeing you anything, red flag, run, go the other way. Do not pass. Go. I don't forget how to monopoly. And now <laughs> right. We yeah, we know huge red flag. What is it? Don't huge red. No, don't collect two hundred dollars, something that, like that. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Don't do that. You definitely don't want to get wrapped up into the agreements. Now, another thing that you want to look for and what you want to understand about the credit repair process is that you're never going to be able to hand someone any amount of money, no matter the amount a large lump sum or monthly payment, you're not going to be able to hand someone money for credit repair and do absolutely nothing. You're never going to be able to take your hands completely off the process. And again, it's because it starts with you. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, if you're still struggling managing your money, you need to join me in the Daily Money Habits text community. Sometimes when we're trying to level up in our finances, we can get overwhelmed and not do anything at all. And then other times we start and we fall off track real quick. And I want to help you stay focused. So in the Daily Money Habits text community, you will get a text from me every single day with a financial affirmation to help empower you and help push you forward through this journey. And the second thing is an action step. Me telling you exactly what you need to do every single day to reach those money goals. And you'll also get monthly financial workshops so you can continue on this education and helping you take action on all of this information that you are receiving. So text MONEY HABITS, all caps, to 615-813-4827. It is a paid community. It's $37 a month. But hey, we got to invest in ourselves, right? If we want to see real results. So I will see you in the daily MONEY HABITS text community. I left credit repair for a while. I just started repairing credit again at the top of the year. I went into credit coaching for a while because people would pay me to repair their credit and then make a late payment on their car note. Wait, please hold, please hold. <laughs> please hold. I love when you say that. Please hold. <laughs> please hold. Do not give me money every month and you're not paying your bills on time. I, I don't do this for money. I do this because I really want people to win. I really want to teach and educate people on what it requires to maintain healthy credit. I don't do this for money, but baby, you know, mama got cheer to feed. Hello. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's not... It's not just give your money and someone can do it for you. You're going to always, you should always be involved in the process. You should always be able to speak to someone and ask them questions. I am a thousand percent. I mean, 
I know it's very popular, but I don't like pyramid credit repair companies. I don't like it. Somebody come up to you and say, hey, you know, um, I can help you get your credit fixed and they fix my credit too. And, and, and then that person makes money off that person. And if they recruit three people, they make money off of that person. But you got to call an 800 number to find out what's going on with your credit. You can't talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're going to end up talking to somebody in Pakistan. And, you know, it's going to be a language barrier and all kind of other stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I just believe firmly that you want to work with someone who you can connect with, who you can relate to, who you can talk to, who can really help you understand what's going on with your credit more so than someone who's guaranteeing you a 150 point increase in 45 days. Because that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because they can't (laughs) guarantee how they how they know how they know. Exactly. They gassing our head up, giving us all this false hope. You know, that's how they play on people who are desperate. Because I know I've been there. When you're desperate, you'll you'll believe almost anything. Even if you know it sounds too good to be true, it's you true. still have that little part of you that believes, well, maybe it could really happen and it's not. So I'm glad that you said, and you know, when you're looking for someone to help you or company, start with yourself because... Ah. I had to learn that the hard way. Once I was trying to find all these quick fixes, Mm -hmm. I had to sit down and say, okay, Clea, clearly what you've been doing is not working. So you're going to have, so you can't just pay someone, like you said, do it for you. You have to understand and learn this stuff. Even if you have a coach or an advisor or someone repairing it for you, like you said, it does make a huge difference when you are trying to understand the whole process and starting with yourself. And when you mentioned the poor money management that is so true. And I know a lot of times it kind of stems from like earlier in our adult lives or even childhood. So for you, like when you were a child or a teenager, did you start learning about money like through your family or did you really not get it until you were an adult? Let me tell you something, Cleo. <laughs> I didn't realize this until a few years ago when I started paying attention to where my habits came from, where my money habits came from. When I was a child, what I saw, this is what I remember. And I, it's crazy, but this is what I remember. And and this is why it's so important for me to teach finances to kids right now. Mm. I remember my mom saying, I want to buy a house, but I need to pay off my credit cards first. Mm. I remember seeing packages come in the mail all the time. Or I remember going to the mall and saying, my mom, I remember her getting access to credit. I remember her having a bunch of credit cards. I remember, um, I just remember when it was time for back to school, we always had what we need. It was like an influx of stuff. And I didn't think of where it came from. I had no, but there was no conversation about it. But when my mom started to aspire for more, she must have went and applied for a home and they told her she needed to, I should interview my mama. Anyway, please hold, let me stay focused. <laughs> I, um, I remember her, I remember her saying, she just kept saying it. I want to purchase a home, but I need to pay off my credit card. I need to pay off my credit card. And then I remember her being excited about paying off a credit card or two. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was my experience. Um, and I never paid attention to that or thought about that until a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But then when I was 19, I don't even remember when I got a Capital One credit card. I just remember that 
I ended up owing them $800 and I only had a limit of 400. I remember it being on my credit report when I was like, and I don't even, I don't know what, I don't know where, I don't know why, but there was, I was always, and from those experiences, I always understood that credit was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that you need credit, but you just have to maintain it. It's not a bad thing. It's a tool that our economy uses yeah. to allow us, you know, to give us leverage to do other things. And mm-hmm. if we use it right and if we are properly educated, I'm confident, I wholeheartedly believe we can do that. But there's such a large gap in mm-hmm. financial education. So that is why. Um, I'm passionate about teaching that now to children and that I I have (laughs) some kind of way. I mean, we'll get into that story at one point, I'm sure, but some kind of way I end up teaching finances to kids now. And it's been so fulfilling. It's so necessary. Everyone tells me, you know, Sakia, if we had this information when we were growing up, we might be a little different. Yes, I totally agree because when I teach, you know, my daughter's a freshman in college now. But, you know, just raising her and teaching her stuff that I didn't know at her age, like my, and I don't know if this is like a bad thing to say, but it's like, I have this fear. I'm like, I don't want her to struggle like I did. Like, I know she'll have her own struggles. You know, they got to make their own mistakes. You know, no, no matter what we teach them, you know, they still have to live their life, make their own mistakes and learn. But I'm like, I just do not want her to start off her life as a teenager adult like I did with like no knowledge whatsoever. You know, when I was in college, when I was in high school, I just knew I need to go to college, take out all these student loans because who has money to pay for college, right? right. And then I just started getting all the credit cards, payday loans. I had these oh. high car notes and eventually I had a few repossessions with my car. And I was just like, I wish I would have known this stuff. And even my mom, she tells me, she wishes that I was her mama so I could teach so she could learn. So my mom tells my daughter, like, you better be grateful that you got somebody telling you, like educating you about money. That way, when you do make certain decisions, you can make the best decisions you can. But I've learned to accept that all I can do is teach, expose her to stuff. And, you know, hopefully she makes the best decisions for her life. But I like that you say you teach kids now because Yes, when you, yes, us adults, you know, especially like millennial age, a lot of us are like just starting to make financial changes, but these kids, they have so many resources now, like through social media, online, and just, they just have way more access to stuff than we had. I know that when when I was younger. So like, what have you noticed the differences in teaching kids versus teaching adults? Do they take in the information easier or is it kind of the same but just different a little well it's a fresh conversation when i'm speaking to kids they're hearing it most of them for the first time um i've been teaching i I taught a group of i teach a right now i'm teaching a group of seventh and eighth graders sixth seventh and eighth graders middle middle schoolers Mm -hmm. and a lot of them have this they have debit cards okay but they so they're learning they're interested and they're interested to hear about the behind the scenes things that happens like I'm telling them about fraud and how important it is to protect your information at all times and when you're shopping online these are some of the things that you may see I'm telling them about how credit works and how overdraft fees work and debt and interest and so they're I teach it in a way that it 
it creates some type of excitement for them. But I teach the same thing to adults and on every level it's something that someone learns. You know what I mean? They're all learning from it. They're receptive to it, but it is a fresh conversation. So I got some kids who will be in there like, really? Or I have some kids who will be like, I don't understand. But all in all, they they are pretty receptive to it. They've been very excited to have the conversations. And I found that the group quizzes, I do a quiz at the end of each lesson with them. And I find that the group quizzes are really excited for them because they'll start competing with each other to get the right answer. And I'm like making them guess. So it's really been, they've really been receptive of it. They have been receptive of it. I love to hear that because I'm used to teaching adults and you know I've taught kids but it's just been with like my daughter or my nieces and nephews you know that's you know different when we like know the kids but I had went back to my high school a few weeks ago just to speak you know share part of my story with a panel of like other people in the community who wanted to come back and just you know give the high school seniors some advice um, not just on finances but career-wise too but I'm going to go back to my hometown next month and I'm going to talk about finances with some kids at an alternative school and when I first reached out to this school which it was a school I used to go to but back then it wasn't an alternative school but now it is so this lady she was kind of basically discouraging me from like doing it because she was like you may not want to bother because they this is not regular kids these are kids who were have been expelled from a regular school and they you know don't have the best behavior but I felt like I get it. I like to, I like to be told, like, give a heads up on, Hey, these are the type of children you're working with, but it's like, do we really just kind of throw them away? Like, because they just, because they are at an alternative school. And then they did tell me, you know, these are kids who they, they've never been introduced or had any money conversation. And that just thinks about me when I was younger. So I'm like, glad that you made the switch because yes, we need adult education, but these kids, let's get them before they become our age. Exactly. <laughs> and they don't really know what to do. That way, if they decide to go to college or be an entrepreneur, or maybe they want to work for an employer and have their own business on the side, they can have information on how to like manage credit. So when I learned about credit, I just was told the credit cards are bad and that you shouldn't use them. And then once I got into credit card debt and paid all my credit cards off, I didn't even want another credit card because I was like, I don't even want to deal with trying to manage it. But what I learned is that Cleo, if you want to use credit cards, you can in a, re a responsible way, you know, where it can actually work for you. So that's something that I struggled with in the past. I don't know if it's called like financial trauma or something. I don't know if it's like a term for it. I think it is. I feel like that's a good term for it. I really think it's a real thing. Seriously, it's a real thing. And I just like, you know, like with my daughter, she's, you know, a freshman in college and, you know, she, you know, getting the credit card offers, right? And you know how when you 18 years old, you start getting like all the offers, you know, Capital One, Bank of America, all the companies. And she's like, she's like, she, and I've explained to her how they're not bad you just have to learn how to use them. You know, what's your goal with using them? And she was like, I have a friend and he has like seven credit cards open and they're like all maxed out. And I was just like, Ooh, and they, these are 18 and 19 year olds. And it's like, 
she said, you should come to my school and talk about money. She was like, I have a, she's taking a personal finance class at her college. And she said, all this stuff that he's saying, you already told me all this stuff. So it does feel good when you're teaching your own child and you're teaching kids how when they go up in the world, they're going to remember the stuff that you told them. They're going to, and my daughter's going to remember the stuff that I said. So I just want younger people to know that credit isn't bad. Like, yeah, you can make moves with your money with and without credit, but I gla I'm glad that we have more people like you that's like taking the time to educate people and not just like you mentioned, like just trying to do it for the money only, although we have to be paid for our services, <laughs> but you want to make sure like, you know, people like genuinely care and want to see people win the kids and the adults. And I know you've shared, you know, some of your journey with teaching the kids. Um, so do you do uh, in-person only, or are you doing it like virtual with, with other cities and states too? That's a great question. So because I, I was originally doing it in the community and mm -hmm. I have, so once I start posting what I'm doing online, a lot of people have been inquiring about virtual. So I am going to host a virtual, I'm going to host a virtual five day academy for the youth, the money academy. And I will be offering it and open it up to states, multiple states so that the kids can join from all over the country and learn about finances. I think that something that you said to me in a word we've used a couple of times within the last, you know, during the course of the interview is desperation and educating, educating our children. I want to avoid that desperation. I don't want them to feel the need for that desperation. You don't need to pay someone $2,500 to fix your credit. You don't need seven maxed out credit cards. You don't need that. But if I can just educate you and teach you how to manage it, you and I are both doing the same thing. So if we are educating and we are teaching children how to manage it, what it looks like, how to use it properly, then it removes a lot of that and, and, and it creates a healthy, revolving conversation about finances. They'll be offered a lot of things and they don't necessarily have to say, yes, you don't really need it. Do you need it? You don't really need it. Or you just want to sound cool because, oh yeah, I got seven credit cards. But what does your credit look like now though, right? Mm -hmm. You also have debt on all seven credit cards. And that's where credit isn't bad, but that bad debt attached to those credit cards is what's going to have a, a negative impact later on. So, yes. So to, to answer the question, yes, I will be offering virtual classes. I am working to, I was trying to decide if I wanted to do it during spring break, but in different states, spring breaks is a different time. So I may just do like a five day weekend um, every Saturday for five Saturdays just do a course and, and everybody can join that way. Ooh, that'll be good because, you know, now that it's like springtime, you know, it's a good time to, you know, like spring clean your finances or kind of check in on your money goals, like certain things you may have set, you know, in January. It's a good time to kind of check in to see, you know, am I on track? Did I fall off track? What I need to change? So, and I know in today's climate, a lot of people want to fix their credit or build credit if they don't have any at all, especially for the younger uh, for the teenagers or for the young adults, they want to know how, what's the best way uh, to do it and what other way to learn than from a professional like you. So definitely keep me posted on that so I can share it. Yeah. But for, for some of us adults yeah. who are in a position who 
have that credit or it may not be the best uh, history or the best score, what's maybe, you know, maybe the first three things that they should do? I know you already shared one because you said check your credit. Like you first you got to look at it, <laughs> see what is on there. But what are maybe two or three more next steps that they can take if they're in a position where they want to uh, improve their credit history and their scores so that they can be in a position to buy a home or buy a car or whatever their you know purchase goals are? Okay, so one of the, the simple steps, but very doable. Um, one of the first things is, of course, you're going to pull your credit report. The next thing you're going to do is look at your payment history. Because payment history is the biggest factor of your credit score, it weighs the most, you know, it carries the most weight when it comes to your credit health and your credit score. So you want to look at your payment history. If you have any late payments, you want any accounts that are reporting on your credit report, you want to make sure that you have auto pay set up for those accounts, even if it's just for the minimum payment. Some people don't, some people are hesitant about setting up auto pay for larger payments like um, their car payment, right? Because they don't want that amount of money coming out of their account at once. But I would recommend that any um, that any account reporting on your credit report, any credit cards be set up on auto pay for the minimum balance at least, right? So that you can continue to build positive payment history. If you are, if you have a car payment and you don't want to set it up for auto pay, make your payment every time you get paid, make half of your payment every time you get paid, just because you want to prevent any future late payments. Late payments is something that most people take for granted. They don't realize how much it hurts their credit score when they have a late payment. So check your payment history first and then put a, a real plan in place to get your payment history to where it needs to be. If you have maybe two or three late payments on one of your accounts and you need help removing late payments, I have a freebie on my website, www.speaksakia.com, where I give you a template and I give you um, resources and instructions on how to remove those late payments, okay? Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you want to look at is your utilization. If you have any open credit cards and your balance is anything higher than 30%, your usage is anything higher than 30% of your limit, mm -hmm. then you want to work to pay those balances down. Now, here is the thing about improving your credit. It's not an overnight process. So whether it's payment history, whether it's reducing your credit card balances, it is something that'll take time to do, but you want to make more than the minimum payment whenever you can to get those balances down. I do not believe in throwing all of your money into credit card debt. So let's say you got an $8,000 tax return and you have $10,000 in credit card debt. I do not believe in taking $8,000 of liquid cash and pouring it into credit card debt. But mm -hmm. I would say to sit down, look at your budget. This is where money management comes into play, right? Look at your budget and create a serious, a doable plan 
to get out of that credit card debt as soon as you can. Maybe you pick up an extra job. Maybe you um, operate in your gift. I am huge on people operating in their gifts to make extra money outside of their nine to five income. So whatever you can do, maybe you're braiding hair, maybe you're cleaning houses, maybe you're washing cars, maybe you're Ubering or door dashing, whatever it is, create a additional stream of income if you need to get rid of that credit card debt. That is going to help increase your credit score. And the final thing is, if you have negative items on your credit report, well, first you want to also assess the credit report. Make sure everything belongs to you, right? And then if there's anything that doesn't, you want to dispute that with the credit bureaus. But if you do have negative items like collection items, whether they belong to you or not, you want to begin the process of trying to get those items removed or settled with a um, removal to pay and delete it. Like when you pay it, the company removes it off your credit report because negative items also weigh down your credit score. One thing I do have to say is that don't just go and pay a collection item just because you see it on your credit report. And here is the reason, this goal, Cleo, here is the reason. It's because whether the item belongs to you or not, it is the credit bureau's responsibility to, you, you want to put the um, responsibility on the credit bureau to verify that this item is actually accurate. If they can verify that the item is accurate, not just by saying it, but provide you with proof between the credit bureaus and the collection company, and you need to settle, then you settle it with an agreement to delete it. But mm -hmm. if they can't verify it, then you will actually need to, they have to remove it. There's a law in place. It's on your side. It's not illegal to do credit repair. So if you want to learn more about that, I have a course on my line, online on my website that teaches you about the process and how it works, et cetera, et cetera. But those are the three things that you can generally do to raise your credit score and begin to start improving your credit health and your credit score. Join me on the first Sunday of every single month for a money yoga session. And you're probably wondering, what is this money yoga stuff, Cleo? Well, it is a vinyasa style yoga class mixed with financial empowerment. And it's designed to help you relax, reset, and prep for the work weeks ahead. And if we nurture our mind and our bodies, we can live financially free and make better financial decisions. There will be Q&A at the end, so bring your money questions. You can register at cleoyogafinance.com slash money dash yoga. Ooh, that is so good. That is a, a good first few steps to take. So I hope y'all are listening because this is the best time, if not any, to get your credit in order. But when it comes to proof, so I know when I had a lot of stuff in collections, you know, you get the letters, right? So for those of us who want to get that proof, is proof having like a letter with their company name on the letterhead saying this is yours or meaning like proof, some like original document, like with your signature on it or something like that? Does the proof vary from collection company to collection company? Yes. So it proof is an original agreement with your signature on it. However, you do have some companies. I'll give you a few. Midland Funding is one of them. Mm -hmm. um, 
oh my lord my mind going blank now midland funding is one of them for example when you see midland funding on your credit report usually they have purchased a debt they have purchased your debt which means that they now own it so they have the right to collect whereas you see a company like i'm gonna just say convergent convergent buys phone phone bills sprint verizon t-mobile things like that those are collection companies midland funding is a debt buyer so usually the debt buyer purchased all of the information from the original company whereas convergent they probably got like a bill they, they don't really have nothing for real. You know, they can have a good day because I don't owe you nothing. Okay? <laughs> I don't know who you is. I ain't tell you nothing. So um, you may see some things where, like I had a client who had an apartment. Um, she and her ex moved out and we reached out to the credit bureaus. The credit bureaus reached out to them and they sent her signature. Cool. So we made an agreement to settle. They removed it. Then you have some companies where um, Midland Funding, for example, they'll sue you. Midland Funding will sue you. They will take you, they will send you, uh, they will have you serve and take you to court. But it doesn't mean you're going to jail. You're not going to jail. It just means that they want their money. So mm -hmm. they'll take you, if you get uh, some, I'm, I am not an attorney. This is not legal advice. <laughs> Not legal advice, but it would strongly behoove you. Okay, it would strongly behoove you to respond to the summons, because when you don't respond, then you start receiving. Um, then they can garnish your wages and things like that. When you respond to the summons, either you agree with it, you don't agree with it. Ultimately, there will be they will either uh, drop the case, which I've had happen plenty of times, or they will come up with an agreement to, you can make smaller payments and when you pay it off, they'll delete it from your credit report. So it's mm -hmm. not, credit repair doesn't mean that you won't ever have to pay anything. You mm -hmm. will have to settle some things, but you wanna study and pay attention to what you're doing because sometimes they'll send you things and it's not, it's, it, it, it'll have the, the, the company name on it, but it won't be from the company. It'd be something they typed up in Microsoft Word. Let me tell you something about these collection companies, Cleo. They, <laughs> they slick it in a can of oil. I'm telling you. <laughs> right. Now watch it. They think we're stupid. They do. They're predators. They really are. They're yeah. predators. And they prey on, on ignorance. Mm -hmm. And because we are ignorant but just because we don't know you know so it's very important to uh, do your research and don't just go giving everybody money you know what i mean so mm. oh that's so true thanks for breaking that down because some people need clarification on what proof should i actually accept so that was perfect but i also wanted to ask you a question about you know items falling off your credit. So, you know, I would hear several people say, well, you know, I'm not going to pay it. I'm just let it fall off. But it can come back though, right? <laughs> depends. It depends. Well, once it falls off, that means that the statute of limitations has expired on that debt. So it won't come back on your credit report if it falls off. However, it doesn't mean that you won't owe the company. It just means that it's not visible on your credit report. So for example, I went and had an MRI and 
I was probably, oh my goodness, I was probably like 20, right? Mm-hmm. And I needed a, I've always needed a hip replacement. I finally got it. But at the time I went and had an MRI done and my insurance company was supposed to pay it. They never paid it. I, don't, I forgot about it. Hell, I just went on about my business. <laughs> and then probably seven years later, I go and I need another one. I need another MRI. I was in pain and I was like, okay, um, let me look up this doctor. I heard he's the best. And I go back to that office and they said, oh, we show that you owe us a balance. I was like, what you say? What you mean? How owe you a balance? And they said something from years ago, but it wasn't on my credit report. It fell off my credit report. But when I got back in contact with that company, they said, oh, according to our system, you still have a balance with us. So it, 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 it fell off of my credit. First of all, I wasn't watching my credit back then. <laughs> wasn't even pulling it at all. <laughs> I pulled it. And it was textbook thick in real life. It was Spanglish. I didn't know what it meant. I just said, ooh, not right now. <laughs> another year. <laughs> another time, another time. So it fell off of my credit report. But when I was in contact with that company, they still, it won't reappear back on my credit report. But if I go to that company, Probably right now today, they'll say, ma'am, you owe us $400. I'm going to tell you, well, God bless you. Have a good day. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. That is, that's when you just get those unexpected surprises. Like, like you said, you wasn't looking at it back then. And I had plenty of years had went by where I wasn't looking at it either. I had seen it before. But like you said, when you're not used to looking at it, or if you don't really understand what it's saying, the numbers, the words and all of that, I was like, you know, if I don't look at it, maybe it's not, maybe it's not that big of a deal. If I don't really look at it, you know, that out of sight, out of mind stuff, but you do have something that happened in your life where it forces you to look at it and understand it. <laughs> Listen, Cleo, here's the thing. So I bring myself as a mindset and credit coach because mm-hmm. they go hand in hand finances when you are not certain really can create an anxiety on the inside of you it can just be so overwhelming when you know like I need a place to live I want a better job but I have no idea where to start like the anxiety that comes along with finances and credit and just period it can be overwhelming Mm -hmm. um there's also similar to what you said like a ptsd behind bad financial experiences Uh, you know you run into a situation and then you relive you don't want to relive that situation again so it's better to just stay away from it like oh i don't even want to think about it i don't even want to deal with it (laughs) i have had those moments over and over and over again there are still certain things about finances that are too much for me i just say for my peace of mind Mm -hmm. i just can't (laughs) Right. I can't tank right now, you know, but that's why people like you are in place and myself are in place to help people along the way. And hopefully anyone who is watching this will utilize it, our resources, whether paid or free, um, our social media pages. There are so there are limitless. There's access all over the Internet on how you can start to maintain your finances. So paying attention and just doing research, even if it's 10 minutes a day, even mm-hmm. if it's 30 minutes a week, just doing some type of small cons- and, and consume the information in bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. Don't try to binge watch financial information because it'll really get overwhelming. 
because now you want to do everything at once and only <laughs> one person what 24 hours in a day you still gotta live work eat breathe you know it's stressful out here you gotta take your naps and everything like that you don't want to get wrinkles and gray hairs before time so exactly. consume the information in bite sizes and work on one thing at a time if you don't understand what it is to read your credit report you're not ready to invest in a credit repair company, but you want to learn, take one month or two weeks to just look at your credit report every few days and kind of dissect it. When you see something you're not aware of, Google it. What does this mean on my credit report? You know, it's just small things like that that help us overcome that fear of understanding money or facing our financial fears, but it's definitely a real thing. It's definitely a real thing. Yes, yes. Thanks for sharing that because that'll help us, you know, make a move, like take action instead of just staying stuck and not going forwards and not, you know, trying to go backwards. But we want to keep progressing and improving our financial lifestyle, especially in the credit space. Um, but when it comes to like, like relationships, because I know you've been married before. So I want to know, and I know there's like a lot of discussion about this, about when you're like dating and when you first start having like the money conversation or talking about credit and stuff. So in your opinion, personally or professionally, what do you, when do you think it's good to have that conversation? Like, cause I've heard people say, well, wait till you officially get in the relationship, then expose the numbers and the details. And then some people are like, oh no, on the first date I'm asking, but it's like, really, are you really wanting to tell somebody all your numbers on the first date. I just think that's just crazy, <laughs> but maybe it's not. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I, need, I need to know. Cause I know what I, I do a desire, a healthy relationship with a man eventually, but I'm just like, I just want, and I know there's no perfect answer, but it does help to know other people who are more experienced than me with relationships to know how do you normally deal with that? <laughs> this is such a great question. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, I have experienced both. Mm -hmm. So in my um, previous marriage, I, I, I don't even know where to start. Okay. <laughs> Right. It was not the healthiest. There was no, um, it was financially unhealthy. And in hindsight, I would say the things that stood out to me that I kind of ignored was when I would discuss things like wanting to purchase a home or um, just doing different things to increase our income or money management and things like that. I was always financially savvy because I felt like I had to hold things down for my kids. I had two kids at the time that he came into my life so at that time. So I was holding things down and I had to pay attention to my finances. But there were some things and red flags that, you know, when I would bring up money, his response to it was nonchalant. You know, there was no focus on it. And it, it may be that um, that um, complex of, you know, oh, we could just deal with it later. Or maybe he had something that previously traumatized him, that, that, that anxiety we were just speaking about. Maybe, I don't know. But in hindsight, when I look back, there were some things that I just didn't recognize to be red flags. But as the relationship progressed, it got worse. 
Mm. That works. And so um, currently my life partner, the love of my life, we are both on the same, our, our relationship at the very beginning started off by having financial conversations. He is the one who mentored me and taught me how to fix my credit. So we, we just, we always have money conversations and it's not so much of revealing this is how much debt I have, but it's paying attention. Here's the answer. When do you have those conversations? You don't have them right away, but you start paying attention to what comes up when you talk about money. Money is going to always come up. You can pay attention to, you know, well, what do you do for a living? Or, you know, just, just have a money conversation casually. It doesn't have to be anything that's tense. It doesn't have to be, so how much debt do we have? You know what I mean? Right. Um, I definitely wouldn't, I mean, once you, once you recognize that your feelings are starting to progress and that this is something that you want to do, a person being in a financially, uh, a, a bad financial position doesn't mean that they're not a good partner, but how they respond to the money conversation determines whether or not they're a good partner. Based on what your goals are, your financial goals are, based on what you want to do and what you see for your future, is that conversation in alignment when you have that conversation with them? Because if I am expressing that I want to become a homeowner and that I want to get, maybe I have some credit card debt. I didn't at the time, but maybe I, maybe I have some credit card debt. What is that conversation like? Is it okay, babe, let's come up with a plan for how we're going to get out of this debt. Or is it, oh, that ain't worry about it. We'll just get to it when we get to it. You know what I mean? You have to pay attention to how a person responds to someone who has a bad financial now, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, girl, <laughs> listen, right, listen, that could I be mean, a whole episode just talking about that this, be a whole episode, but ultimately you want to pay attention to how the person responds to the financial conversation, what they, the, the amount of debt they have doesn't mean that it makes them a bad person, but I do believe that money conversations, not on the first date, not on the first date, but as women, we should be paying attention, pay attention just because he looks like money. He might smell like money. Okay. You understand? He might smell a little expensive. Okay. But it doesn't mean that he is financially responsible. And then when you bring up money, is he willing to talk about it? It doesn't, you know, you start having those conversations on the first date. Just give him gold digger. Yeah. Or it's giving controlling mm -hmm. <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? It's giving, you, you know, dating is so hard in 2022. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> another podcast, but it's not easy. And then ultimately when you're thinking about having a life partner or someone that you want to build a life with finances is a huge, huge, huge factor. So it's definitely a conversation that's necessary, but it doesn't have to be, well, if he ain't got no 850 credit score, I don't want him. You know, it don't have to be that. Right. <laughs> because especially, I mean, this is just a side note, but black men, black men have so much responsibility already. And just because 
you know, even we're already uneducated. We're already working to become more educated, I should say. So to have someone sit across from you and carry a posture of being better than him just because they are financially savvy and he is not, he don't need that type of energy in his life. He needs someone who is not going to fix him, not fix him, but support him in becoming more financially savvy. Maybe he wants to know and just doesn't know where to start. But also with that being said, actions speak louder than words. So again, that can go on for a whole nother podcast. (laughs) But I would say pay attention to the response of the money conversations. You know, when someone has something to hide, okay, all right. Yes, that is that is something to pay attention to. I like that you said pay attention, you know, and it's like on the first day, I'm thinking, I'm just trying to have fun, have a good time. You know, you probably had a long week at work, you know, we just, I just want to have a good time, have fun. I'm not trying to be all deep and serious with all the controlling or like you said, gold diggerish type questions. But I like you said, paying attention, observing to what's going on and how they respond. So that was perfect. I love that. Thank you. Cause that was a, a good tip for me. Yeah. And I know that it will help some other people out there who are the for us who are dating out here and trying to, you know, navigating the single life and trying to get to a level where we're, you know, making the right moves. So eventually it can lead to a healthy relationship with someone. So thank you for that girl. I was going to say too, like the first couple of dates, you know what I'm saying? You want (laughs) to pay attention. It's good to pay attention because there's already this thing out there that as women, we want to be controlling and, you know, guys are always supposed to pay, which you better open my door and get the check though. Hello. (laughs) But so chivalry is important if it's important to you, but you know, your, we can't put our expectations off on someone else. You don't know where it's going. Maybe he's a jerk and you really don't want to see him again. You know what I'm saying? Just because you're on a date don't mean he the one. So let's not make things complicated. Let's observe. Let's feel the energy. Let's see what's tea first before we start going and asking what's in your bank account. Because what, sis? What? (laughs) Like, hold up. You don't even know my last name. Why are you asking about my money? You know? don't go go beating the dough down out the gate about money questions you know what i'm saying not looking to find someone who you can sustain a life with and build a life with you want to take your time and ease into it you know yes ease yes please hold you know that's ingrained in my mind forever you saying that like anytime i see when you post something and I see you put the words, please hold, I literally hear your voice <laughs> saying, please hold. I'm like, I'm holding. Let me see what she's about to say. <laughs> like, I don't know. Can you get like that trademarked or something? Like, working on it. Yes, I please do. <laughs> I have my journals that say, please hold, t shirts that say, please hold. I'm working on it. <laughs> yes, love it. I'm looking forward to it. So I want to know. We want to know what is the best way to connect with you if we're wanting to work with you or support you in what you are doing. All right. So I am Speak Sakia on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. 
And my website is, is that all the platforms I'm on? I reckon. I know it's so many, so many if platforms. You find a platform and you think I might be on that type, speak to kids because that's where I am on everything. My website, if you are looking to just get to know me, connect with me, have a question, want to take advantage of any of the free or um, digital products on my website, it is www.speaksakia.com. Speak like talk. Sakia, S-A-K-I-A dot com. And if you are, I'm on Instagram the most. So if you really want to get in touch with me the fastest, then you can reach out to me on Instagram. You can DM me. I am very approachable on the life of the party, even if it ain't a party, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. And I, last thing I want to do with you, I recite and financial affirmation to everyone that comes onto the show. So I'm going to give you your financial affirmation. And I want to know, what do you think about it? How it relates to your life or, you know, what, what words you want to give us about it. So your financial affirmation is my actions are an investment. Oh, oh my goodness. All right. That's so good. I love affirmations, Cleo. I'm huge on affirmations. My actions are an investment. For me, that means that everything that I am doing now, I am investing back into the community that's coming up behind me. I quit my job in July of 2021 to teach finances full time. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was credit. But it turns out, as I mentioned earlier, that I am teaching children in the community now. I am working on a lot of different things, but my actions of doing these online um, courses and showing up into schools and aftercare programs is an investment into the children that are coming up behind us who need this information. So that is, I love that. Thank you so much for that. I love that. Oh, thank you as well. Because yes, we have to seek that positivity, that financial positivity in our lives. Like, yes, you know, we have to do the work as well, but it does make a difference when you are saying it and when you're thinking it and when you're feeling it. And that can help you while you're taking that action every day. So thank you for sharing that. And I appreciate you so much for coming on the show and giving us these tips and sharing a piece of your story. And I know it's going to help it help me and I know it's going to help everyone out there listening. So I hope y'all was taking notes and I hope y'all was listening and going to take some action today on all of the advice that she gave us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone, a family or a friend who you know could need some credit or life advice. And if you enjoy the show, we would love your support by subscribing on YouTube, Clear Yoga Finance on YouTube, or you can subscribe, rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and all the other podcasting platforms. Uh, so before we go officially, Sakia, do you have any final words to give us as we close out today's show? Actually, I do. I would like to offer the same um, courtesy of giving you an affirmation hearing how it um, what it means to you are you ready I'm ready all right so your affirmation is I have million dollar hands what does that mean to you Ooh, I have million dollar hands I, I just want to rub my hands like yeah. that all of a sudden. 
<laughs> That's money you carrying on your wrist, honey. Yes, I have million dollar hands. What that means to me is that I need to I need to stop underestimating what I can do with my hands. And I need to treat them well. Like I'm really big on, um, you know, taking care of your, your mind and your body. But it's like, when you're like do, dealing with your hands, like you never know, like you, like, let's say if I didn't have my hands anymore, like I would probably go crazy. So it's <laughs> like, it gives me a reminder to take care of my hands. And that a million dollars is not, um, it's a big goal, but it's something that I can do if I do the work. And my hands is one of the things that I'm going to need with the type of work that I'm doing. So, ooh, this is going to be on my mind for the whole rest of the weekend. I have million dollar hands. I love that. But yes, that's what it means to me is that I can reach that million dollar goal and I need to under, stop underestimating what I can do with my hands to get me there. I love that. I want to offer, your affirmation is my juice, okay? Oh, yes. <laughs> I want to offer a couple of things that when we are speaking about affirmations to leave out the negative words, like I need to, like, um, Ooh, that's true. Yeah, leave out the negative words. So, Instead of what you originally said, I am now going to use these hands to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But also, I love that affirmation. I came up with the affirmation. I don't know who, I'm going to try to copyright it. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but um, your hands, the work of your hands will produce the wealth that you need. That's one. And then also, with your hands, you have everything you need you have everything you need with your hands. You already got the mindset going, but when you put your hands to work with the thoughts that are in your mind, you are going to produce wealth, not just for you, but for the generations behind you, for your daughter, for her children, for her children's children. Generational wealth are attached to your hands. The work of your hands will increase and produce wealth. You have million dollar hands and don't you ever forget it what you are doing on this platform is beautiful despise not small beginnings your consistency your passion for teaching finances it is all going to produce millions for generations so thank you very much Cleo for having me on with you today I am honored to be one of the first on the podcast I am so excited for you and to see what comes of your journey keep going keep growing and keep producing thank you so much girl <laughs> you touched my heart today see that's why I love having these conversations because people don't realize it's not just the people who are listening to us that is learning and growing. I learn something every single time I talk to somebody and that just really blessed me so much more than you think. So thanks for flipping it back on me and giving me an affirmation because I needed to hear that. I literally was going through some goals last weekend and just throughout this week. And that was just like what I needed to hear to continue to push me forward. So thank you as well. <laughs> Welcome from one yeah. financial sister 
to another all love. I really, I really believe you and Cleo. Listen, remember I said mindset, I'm mindset, right? But I still go through those struggles. When we are entrepreneurs and we're trying to build, sometimes it gets discouraging when we set goals and we don't necessarily hit those goals. So what I have been intentional about doing is giving flowers every chance I get and pouring into the people who are doing the same thing every chance I get because I know how much it is needed. So I am grateful. I cannot wait to see where your journey takes you. I'm just honored to be here. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. We all appreciate appreciate that. And everyone out there listening, I hope you can find someone in your circle, in your community, in your network to give flowers to someone who you know is out there who are genuine. They are supporting other people and helping and making an impact. Yes, let's give each other our flowers while we are still here. That's another huge, huge life tip is to give those flowers out there. And I hope you all will join me back for another episode of Financially Through with Cleo podcast next week. And I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye. You can be financially free with Cleo.